0: Name the four new sports included in the Tokyo Olympics this year.
1: And when were the very first Olympic Games? Answers to those and other questions coming up in this athletic edition of (laughs) The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marsha Smith. Welcome to the Off-Ramp, a chance to slow down, steer clear of crazy, take a side road to sanity, and get some perspective on life. Well, Marcia, the Olympics give you a perspective on what's important in life every four years.
0: And they are in full swing.
1: That's right. And you say there are four new games this year. Four new
0: sports. Four new sports. Can you name them, Bob? Can you name them?
1: You know, it's interesting because I know there were years when, you know, trampolines were added and other things were added. Did you know that dueling was once a sport, an Olympic sport? No, I didn't.
0: Is it not anymore? No,
1: no. They did them. With blanks, but they had actually had shooting. That was really? part of the dueling oh back in the God.
0: 1908,
1: I think, Olympics. But uh, oh. no, I don't know what the new ones would be. What are
0: the new sports well, that they would add? And they're all, they're all uh, surprising to me. Karate. Hmm. Uh, they're uh, being judged on two disciplines. kata, that will be judged. That's forms. And Kumite, sparring. So they're judged on their form and their sparring. Uh, second is skateboarding.
1: Skateboarding. Now, I thought that was in there. So
0: did I, but we were confused. Remember the flying tomato, Sean White?
1: Sean White, right? He was
0: a snowboarder. Oh, he also skateboarded. So I'd seen him do both. Yeah, but he didn't skateboard in the Olympics because be it done. wasn't a category. Yeah, anyway, I thought it
1: was skateboarding. Okay. Me too.
0: And uh, skateboarders will be judged on given points for tricks, speed, height, and originality. Hmm. And then next is sport climbing. Uh, Events will include speed climbing, bouldering, and lead climbing.
1: Are these like climbing walls and running the pegs into the pre- wall?
0: I don't know. I would imagine. You know, you've seen, though, you go to places and they have these uh, walls mm-hmm. that you have to climb to the top. I assume that's what it is. So okay, okay. It's interesting. and Unless... Boulder
1: climbing, that sounds dangerous. <laughs>
0: yes, it does.
1: <laughs> I don't think I want to do that.
0: Yeah. No. Okay, and the last one is... Surfing. Really? Yeah, not the internet kind, but uh, yeah. And the judges will rate the difficulty of the maneuvers on the biggest waves, and that's how they'll get their score.
1: I had no idea that surfing wasn't in it. I'm not surprised, and that relates to a question I have coming up. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, honest to God. (laughs) Let's get back to my first question, if that's the end of yours.
0: It is.
1: Okay, when were the first Olympics, the very first known Olympics?
0: God. Was it in the 20th century?
1: No, no, they went back.
0: Way back. You're talking back to Romans? The original
1: Olympics. Oh, when they were— The Greeks.
0: It was at Olympus. Olympia. Yes, Olympia. Olympia,
1: 776 B.C.
0: Good God.
1: And they were religious events back then. It was in southern Greece. Now, Olympia was where people went to worship their gods— And, in fact, the Olympics were created in honor of Zeus, the king of the gods. So, originally, the Olympic Games were religious events, and they were primarily male athletes. They prayed to Zeus for victory. They left gifts to thank him for their successes. And the events include sprinting, wrestling, chariot racing, (laughs) and something called the Pankration Pancration, Pancration, known (laughs) as the ultimate fighting sport. Now, there were no weight classes, no time limits, only two rules, no biting or eye gouging, and (laughs) they were fought until one person gave up or Or died.
0: died. Oh, my God.
1: Now, there was another smaller festival held for female athletes. They competed to honor Hera, which was Zeus's consort. And the men, by the way, competed completely naked. (laughs)
0: Well, there you go. There's some reason to go to the games. (laughs) I'm in. I'm in.
1: Those original Greek games lasted almost a thousand years until the Christian Roman Emperor Theodosius I banned all pagan festivals, so he got rid of the Olympic Games, and then they didn't resume until 1896. Really? Yeah, so... So
0: there was a big big lag there. A
1: very big lag.
0: Oh, my gosh. You, You know what the meaning of the five Olympic ring logo is? I just
1: assumed it was just a nice design that meant unity. Is it, does it have more meaning than that?
0: It does, uh, and it has that meaning too, but it's the five continents that participate in the Olympics. It, uh, it also has significant colors that represent each continent, which blue, yellow, black, green, and red represent the continents of Europe, Africa, Asia, the Americas, and Oceania. The symbol was created by a guy named Baron-Pierre de Coubertin, co-founder of the Modern Olympic Games.
1: He helped to bring it back. You're right. That's the guy. Well, five continents. Now, I got a question for you. Since there are seven continents, why aren't there seven rings?
0: Because they don't all participate.
1: Well, that's part of it. And guess what? What? (laughs) <laughs> the Americas were considered one continent. Today, we consider North and South America separate continents, but not back then, just one continent. So there was no sixth ring. And then back in 1915, there were no people from Antarctica participating. You're right. So that's why there were five rings. And they just kept it that way because it's, a, it's yeah. a better looking thing. You it know. is.
0: It's very nice. Yeah. Here's that interesting one. What is the fastest moving object in sports, Bob? And this sport is part of the Olympics. The, the fastest. fastest
1: moving is it the javelin? No, no,
0: That's,
1: but is it something like that?
0: No, no,
1: it's not a person. No, okay, you don't <laughs> think a
0: baseball would be faster than well. That?
1: A baseball, I don't know how fast a javelin goes. A baseball, of course, goes 100 miles an hour,
0: yeah, but this is faster. What is it? It is the shuttlecock, really, in badminton. And badminton is an Olympic sport. It travels over 306 miles per hour.
1: Wow! Yeah. Wow.
0: Uh, so. Thank God
1: they're they're not hard when they hit you. Yeah, no
0: kidding. Because <laughs> uh, I'm always hitting you in the head with those things. Okay.
1: <laughs> that would be terrible. That would be terrible.
0: And just as a side factoid, there are 33 sports being played in this summer Olympics, and that's 24 more than the first. Olympics in 1896,
1: the first modern Olympics. Yeah, yeah. So
0: there were only nine events. Today there are 339 total events in those 33 sports.
1: Now today the games last no more than 16 days. But how how long were the original Olympic games back in the ancient times?
0: Ancient. Well, there wasn't a lot to do back then, so <laughs> they probably just spread it out. Am I right? It's longer, right? No, it's not. It's shorter. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, especially if they played to the death, they probably just ran out of time and, lives. and people at times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. depends okay. on the games. All right. So, if it's what is it today? How long?
1: Sixteen days. All no.
0: right. I'll say twelve.
1: Uh, no, they lasted five days. Really? In the fourth and fifth centuries. Now, remember, it was more of a religious event back then. But on the first day, non-sporting activities, such as contests for heralds and trumpeters, took place. So they did a musical contest. On the second day, there were horse and chariot races. So it's almost like automobile races today, Uh horse uh and chariot races, followed by the pentathlon, which included the discus throw, the long jump javelin, a race and wrestling, and then the third day was given over to religious celebrations in honor of Pelops, the mythical founder of the Games, and Zeus. Athletic events resumed on the fourth day with foot races and that aggressive event known as the pancration, which is a cross between wrestling and boxing where somebody would die at the end of it oh, or, or be exhausted. Yeah, <laughs> That was the last game of each one of those events. But but do you know, there was a time when the Olympics were way too long, I would say. What was the longest modern Olympic Games? How long did they last?
0: Uh, Summer or winter?
1: They were a combination.
0: Oh, that would be it then, huh? Uh, What year was that?
1: 1908. Now listen to this. The Olympic Games in 1908 lasted a total of 187 days. Oh, my Lord. In other words, six months and four days. The duration (laughs) has been fixed at no more than 17 days since 1996. Makes sense, doesn't it?
0: Oh, my God. Yeah, I had no idea.
1: Okay, now, you were talking about those colors and the interlocking five rings on the flags. When was that flag first unveiled, do you know? I don't know. 1920, the 1920 Olympic Games in Antwerp, Belgium. Okay. And guess what? What? The flag was stolen. (laughs) It was lost for 73 years. And then guess what?
0: They found it.
1: Yes, at an Olympic ceremony.
0: Oh, come on. somebody!
1: Oh, it's a fascinating story. The flag was stolen as a prank
0: uh-huh. by
1: one of the American Olympic athletes. Oh, my goodness. I never heard about this before. His name was Hal Haig Priest. He was born in 1896, and he was a 24-year-old Armenian-American athlete He participated in those 1920 Summer Games. He's from Fresno, California. He won a bronze in platform diving as a member of the 1920 Olympic swim team. And he also competed in the plane high diving event, but he was eliminated. But he took that original fig flag as a prank. Now, this is where surfing comes in, Marcia. This is a fantastic story. He had a friend who was his Olympic partner with him in the games, one of his fellow swimmers, and guess what his name
0: was? (laughs) Don't know.
1: Duke Kahanamoku. Does that sound familiar? No. When we were in Hawaii, remember Duke's? We went to Duke's restaurant? Yeah. Duke Kahanamoku was the person who's famous as the inventor of surfing. He was a swimmer on the 1920 Olympics team. Oh,
0: really? That is, and yeah, everybody, you say, what's the best restaurant on Waikiki Beach? And everyone say, oh, Duke's.
1: Yeah, well, that was his place. And he was a 34-year-old swimmer in this, and huh. his 24-year-old friend was Hal Priest. He egged him on. He says, you should steal that flag. So they stole the flag. Now, Duke was born to a noble family towards the end of the Kingdom of Hawaii, and he was a five-time Olympic medalist in swimming. So it's a tribute to him that surfing finally is now going to be one of the Olympic sports. Yeah, that is very cool. But he invented it after he was in the Olympics. Anyway, Hal Priest went up the flagpole, he stole that flag, and for 77 years it was stored away. (laughs) (laughs) Here's how they found it out. He was at a banquet hosted by the Olympic Committee in 1997. A reporter was interviewing him. He was 103 years old at the time. Good Lord. <laughs> and the reporter mentioned that the IOC hadn't been able to find out what happened to the original Olympic flag. He goes, oh, I can help you with that. It's in my suitcase.
0: <laughs> you know, at 104, you don't care. What are they going to do to <laughs> You're you?
1: They're not going to arrest me? Yeah. So anyway, the, he returned it to them, and that Olympic flag is now on display at the Olympic Museum in Lausanne, Switzerland, and there's a plaque thanking him for it. And at the time of his death, Hal Priest... Was the world's oldest former Olympic medalist, and he's the first known Olympian whose lifespan covered three centuries, 1896 to 2001. But he was just 24 years old, and it was a prank to steal that flag, and he kept it in a suitcase all those years. And then years. he said,
0: "Here it is." Oh,
1: I got that. That's
0: a great story. <laughs> you wow. Find it. I yeah. know why. I got it. I got it right here. Wouldn't you like to be a reporter? Uh,
1: who uncovered that?
0: Who had the answer to that question? Oh
1: my God! Isn't that funny? God. And that I'll, just happened twenty, twenty-two, twenty-three years ago that it was found.
0: I'll bet you didn't know, Bob, that some countries give money prizes to their winners. Yes, you did.
1: Well, it's not—it's not a pure amateur thing like it was intended to be in 1896.
0: How much do you think? Uh, the United States pays each of its gold winners $500? <laughs> five hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, five thousand dollars. No, it's twenty-five thousand for each gold one. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's good. Well, not compared to Italy, they shell out more than one hundred and eighty-five thousand for each winner. Of course, I think we have more gold than them, don't you? <laughs> and Japan gives. 49,900 to each gold winner. Wow. Why why not just 50,000 Japan? What's with that?
1: And for anybody who thinks, well, why don't they just do it for for themselves for free? Um, National Geographic just did a whole big thing on the Olympics And they, they studied the ancient games They paid people all the time for oh, things back then yeah. Stipends, the cities that sponsored these ancient athletes You know, if they came back with medals They would have jobs for life you yeah. know, They would be paying them forever Their families would live like kings yeah. So it's always been that way It's not yeah. like, oh, yeah. we tried to do something pure in the 19th yeah. century And we can't live up to that Well, that's just never been the way it's been
0: You know what United Kingdom pays its winners? No Zero Really? <laughs> yeah. They're not getting into that.
1: That's very interesting. I have
0: one more Olympic question. Okay. Uh, you want to take a break first? Yeah, let's take a break. We'll be back
1: in just a moment. You're listening to The Off-Ramp with Bob. And Marsha. Olympic Marsha <laughs> Smith. <laughs> We're back again. This is Bob and Marsha Smith, and you're listening to The Off-Ramp with some questions on the Olympics and other topics today.
0: Okay, I got one more Olympic question. Okay. This year is the most gender balanced Olympics in history. Hmm. With every sport offering both men's and women's events. That's interesting, isn't yeah, it? There it isn't is. an event without men and women in it. And there are nine new mixed events where boys and girls pair up. And uh, can you guess what some of those are? Just take a stab. What sports where you have two people?
1: Are you talking about two person events or where yeah, two ma- people competing? Yeah, with
0: male and female. Tennis maybe? Uh what kind of tennis?
1: Well, table tennis yes, is one. Yes, that's okay. one. And what about regular tennis, lawn uh, tennis?
0: No. Oh, okay. No. What do you got? I got archery, hmm. judo, shooting, swimming, table tennis, triathlon, along with track and field.
1: So those are all co-ed events. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I would have uh, guessed uh, pretty much what you said, too. But those are co-ed events. All
1: right, Marcia. What two continents have never hosted an Olympic game?
0: Oh, uh, Hosted well, gosh.
1: Um, two continents have never hosted the Olympic Games. That-
0: Australia,
1: no, no, that's not true. Okay, Brisbane had games, Brisbane. yeah,
0: that's right. Now, I know North America, South America. Uh, okay, tell me,
1: Africa and Antarctica. Now, oh. we mentioned that Antarctica wasn't in the original five rings, but they have never hosted games. Now, people from Africa have participated in the Games. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But the status might soon change. There's going to be a mini Olympic event sent to be hosted in Africa in 2022. And it's thought that there might be an African host for the Olympics in 2032 or 2036. They've got all the cities chosen up to 2028.
0: Oh, they do. Yeah,
1: they're all slated. They know what's going to be happening. Is America
0: in it? Yeah,
1: there's another American. Okay. Yeah, but but they have never had an African city. All right. Hopefully they will.
0: Yeah. All well, right. I'm moving on. I am too. I'm moving on to how many earthworms do baby robins eat each day?
1: And this is an Olympic sport, right? <laughs> <That's what we're...
0: laughs> and I'm talking in terms of length.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Length of an earthworm.
0: In one day, a baby robin.
1: I've seen those robins feeding their baby, so yes. I, will, I will say two feet.
0: Yeah, that sounds... That sounds, because that, look at that's a little...
1: A little robin but, could nibble a two feet of earthworm yeah, in a day. in a,
0: in a full day. But yeah. no, what? nay, nay, it's 14 feet. What? A day. You've got to be kidding Baby me. robins, how can they get that in that little tiny belt? That's
1: a lot of trips back and forth for that's, that mama. Well,
0: that's that's why they yell at us if we interfere with their <laughs> nest, right?
1: Holy cow. Oh, all
0: right, go that's ahead. That's
1: a lot of work to bring <laughs> 14 feet of earthworms to your one baby in the nest. Yeah,
0: what, and what if you got Six.
1: Babies
0: in that nest. Then what?
1: That's amazing. <laughs> that's quite amazing. Okay, Marcia, here's a good question for you. Why do we call a family symbol a coat of arms? Well, that's... Coat of arms. Why do they call it question? arms, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's why? a family symbol. Why would it be coat of arms?
0: Well, arms back then were, you know, like those metal plate things, right? The knights wore them.
1: You're on to it, yeah. It dates back to the middle Age knights who wore... Armor. That's right, and when the knights wore their armor with their visors down, they all looked pretty much alike. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so you had to identify them by had they had their little name on the yeah, front. so
1: their knights started painting pictures on their shields for identification to prevent them from battling their friends or family members.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee, I just killed Aunt Gladys. Oh, God.
1: Later, a fabric similar to a sweater was woven over the armor, and the knight's personal identification was woven into the fabric, and that was known as a coat of, of arms. arms.
0: I'll be darned. Well, that makes perfect make, sense. It does
1: make sense when you think of it that way, doesn't it? Uh-huh. All right. That's well, a Well, we good like one. to make sense of things here on the that off-ramp.
0: It's what we do. It's who we are.
1: Yes. Even though sometimes we're wrong. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was fascinating. It was from the Joy of Trivia book. Kind of interesting. Okay, I've got a question for you here. During the creative process, books, plays, and music often wind up with different names than they originally had at the uh, beginning, okay? Mm -hmm. Name the original names for the following the book Catch 22, the play West Side Story, the song You're a Grand Old Flag, the movie Love Me Tender the song Alexander's Ragtime Band, and the song Yesterday. You have 10 seconds.
0: Oh, (laughs) jeez. What a ridiculous...
1: Let's try Catch-22. What was it originally called? Yeah,
0: let's just do one. I mean, how would you know any of those? All right, let me just guess. Uh, Was it Catch-23? No, it was Catch-18. Was it really?
1: I don't know why, yeah.
0: Oh, for heaven's sake.
1: The play West Side Story was originally called...
0: East Side Story. East Side
1: Story, that's right. The song You're a Grand Old Flag was originally titled You're a Grand Old... Mama, rag,
0: rag <laughs> instead oh, of flag. God. Yeah, that is interesting.
1: Alexander's Ragtime Band. You know, come on in here, yeah. Alexander. This is um, Irving Berlin. The song originally was going to be called Alexander and His Clarinet. I don't. <laughs> that doesn't even. It doesn't rhyme. have. A,
0: it doesn't have a, a lilt to it, does it?
1: You know that the original working title for the Beatles song Yesterday was Scrambled Eggs. Remember that? We've heard that story before. All right, Uh now, Elvis's first movie. This is your time. You loved Elvis when you were a little girl. It was called Love Me Tender, but movie makers were originally going to call that film The Uh, Reno Brothers.
0: Oh, yes. Because he didn't have that hit song when they named that movie. That's right. Then later they added it.
1: Let's just call it Love Me Tender. Yeah,
0: which is good marketing, don't you think? And there was no love in the movie.
1: No, there was none. (laughs) It was kind of brutal, wasn't
0: it? (laughs) Well, here's a quickie. Do you know the difference between fowl and poultry?
1: Fowl, F O W L, and poultry. Yeah. Well, I think poultry is a bird that delivers eggs that are used, but fowl is just a bird. No. Is that correct? No. Thank you. Next question. (laughs)
0: poultry is domesticated fowl. Oh. So the wild turkeys we see, those are fowl. But you never say, give me a pack of chopped fowl. You know, you get poultry at the store, but you don't get fowl.
1: Yeah, you don't go there to get eagle. (laughs) I'll take a half a pound of eagle there. (laughs)
0: That's it. I had no idea.
1: So that's the difference. Yeah. One is domesticated, so it's domesticated, and the fowl is basically a wild bird. Yes. Oh, okay. okay. I didn't know that.
0: I'm here to enlighten you, Bob.
1: Okay. All right, another history question. History in the arts, okay? Okay. What connection did William Jennings Bryan's assistant in the Scopes Monkey Trial have with popular music? <laughs> Say
0: again, what, what did he have?
1: William Jennings Bryan's yeah. assistant yeah. in the Scopes Monkey Trial. This is back in 1925. Yeah. Person's name was Sue Hicks.
0: Okay, what did she have to do with popular First, uh, it
1: wasn't a she, it was a he.
0: Okay, what did he? I don't know. Did he introduce... Uh, The Charleston?
1: No. Okay. He was the inspiration for a song by Johnny Cash. Sue Hicks, the man. His
0: name is Sue.
1: He was the boy named Sue. I'll be darned. Yeah, that was the 1969 song, A Boy Named Sue, which was a hit for Johnny Cash, and attorney Sue Hicks was the inspiration. He was named after his mother. Why would you name your son... Sue, if you're a mother. I don't know. It made his life pretty hard, I I'll think, bet. as in the song. Anyway, he what, was still alive when uh, Johnny Cash did that song. Uh, Sue Hicks, who was the assistant to William Jennings Bryan during the Scopes okay. Monkey Trial, died in the spring of 1980.
0: So, All right. Did you know, Bob, that babies are born without kneecaps? That
1: babies ba- are born without yeah, kneecaps. We, we
0: had two together, Bob. How come we didn't notice they didn't have kneecaps?
1: I don't know.
0: We didn't notice, but when do you think they appear? At what age?
1: What do kneecaps first appear?
0: Yeah, on a baby.
1: Again, two at the age of two, or at the age of one. I'll say at the age of one. But they start crawling. They'd have to have kneecaps, right? You'd think,
0: but no, they don't. You were right. Really, closer to it. It's between the ages of two and six. Have you ever? I can't imagine a five or six-year-old not having kneecaps. No,
1: I can't either.
0: Who knew? I think they disappear again around the age of 70, but I can't uh, verify that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Talk to your friends. Okay, today we keep hearing about modern businesses that succeed by pivoting, but what famous European telecom brand started out as a pulp mill and once made rubber boots?
0: (laughs) (laughs) What European telecom? I'll say Samsung.
1: That's a Korean telecommunications company. This is a European one. You've known this name of this company. It starts with an N. They made phones for years. We had one once. You would Nokia these people.
0: (laughs) Nokia, maybe? Nokia, yeah. (laughs) Thank you, honey. Uh, I thought I'd help.
1: Well, Nokia... They pivoted many times in their 135-year history. The Wall Street Business Journal writer John Stoll called its history perhaps the best testament to diversification because, listen to this, they were scrappy fins who seized opportunities and have kept the company a step ahead of disaster. It started out as a pulp mill for papermakers, Nokia did. Eventually it added rubber boot making. And then for decades they made toilet papers and respirators. And eventually became a major mobile phone brand. Many of us had Nokia phones in the 90s. But when the smartphones revolutionized that business, they pivoted again, this time from phones to telecom gear. So they're still in business, but today they're one of the major manufacturers of telecommunications equipment.
0: Did you say telephones and Toilet paper?
1: Yeah, they did They did both.
0: <laughs> Interesting. Okay, all right. Bob, since I lost mine last week, I was curious to find out if the thinking has changed about the appendix actually having a function. They told me it didn't, but I wanted to double check.
1: I didn't know if you were going to bring that up. Marcia had an emergency appendectomy a week ago.
0: It's gone now.
1: We had some excitement in our family here.
0: It turns out, Bob, they now believe it does have a function. You want to guess what it is?
1: Well, I think something to do with bacteria
0: or something. Why do you think that?
1: Well, because when he said that's the reason they go bad is because sometimes they get foreign objects in there and the bacteria goes wild. So I would think there's got to be some mm. reason for Well, them. that's
0: very close, yes. Uh, research shows that the appendix is designed to protect the good bacteria in your gut and helps keep your digestive system healthier. So there is a function It's a storage place for good bacteria. And if bad bacteria gets in there, then it's got to go. And And,
1: that's what happened to you.
0: Yeah, it usually happens with uh, young kids.
1: That was such an interesting experience being on the outside in the waiting room waiting for you. And I was getting texts the whole time. The doctor's begun the incision. The operation (laughs) is going well. And it only took 14 minutes to get rid of your... Then they sent me home. Then he sent you home later that afternoon. Yeah. Yeah but not before the doctor came out saw me and showed me those souvenir pictures of your (laughs) appendix.
0: Let's put those on the Christmas letter this year. (laughs) That'll be a winner. All right. (laughs) All right. And I'm going to end with some Yogi Berra-type pearls of wisdom from other sports people, okay? You know, uh, remember any Yogi Berra?
1: Oh, yeah. Like like, if you find a fork in the road, take it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's déjà vu all over again. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Here's one from boxer Alan Minter. Sure, there have been injuries and deaths in boxing, but none of them are serious.
1: <laughs> oh. No death is serious in boxing?
0: Oh, um, and this is from boxing trainer Lou Duva. He's a guy who gets up at six o'clock in the morning, regardless of what time it is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> These are like Yogi Berra wrote are them. They?
0: Okay, I'll just uh two quick ones. This is from sports commentator Murray Walker. The leap car is absolutely unique, except for the one behind it, which is identical. (laughs) 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 And and, uh, before I go, I want to give a shout-out to the world champion Milwaukee Bucks basketball team, a great bunch of guys who deserve to win the whole enchilada.
1: Great young men. So far, from what we've seen, great uh, examples of good citizens. And a good immigrant story, too. A great immigrant story, to be honest. Yep. All right, well, that's it for today. We hope you've enjoyed our Olympics and other sports questions. (laughs) And another thing, you were with me on a few of the first 20 or so shows, but this is our 100th episode of The Off-Ramp today. All
0: right, 100.
1: So that feels pretty good.
0: Let's go celebrate. All right. Let's have an office party.
1: An office party. Yes. That's just two
0: people. I know. I'll get the champagne.
1: That's fine. I'm Uh, Bob Smith. I'm Marcia Smith. Join us again next time when we return with more trivia on The the Off-Ramp. The Off-Ramp is produced in association with CPL Radio Online and the Cedarbrook Public Library, Cedarbrook, Wisconsin.